in addition to prayer, we also offer um, help and resources. So if uh, women are coming in and, you know, they had a tough time sleeping the night before, if they're struggling and they're just looking for that last minute person who might have a friendly face and a Christ-like manner, um, we, we provide that. We had a couple recently who um, that fit their scenario. She went inside and he came over and spoke with us and um, for about 30 minutes. And then he went in and, and encouraged his wife to come and speak with us and they chose life. And that's, we're just there for the one person who, um, who needs help and uh, is looking for help. We're not there for a, a debate or to win people over and encourage, I mean, to, to, you know, force anyone, on our ideas on anyone. We're just there to love them, be the hands and feet of Christ, and um, offer help if someone's looking for help. And it's just an amazing ministry. We do so many other things, but that's, that's what we do on a daily basis. And um, we train people in how to talk with clients who are coming in. It's just, uh, and we work with so many organizations that provide resources and assistance and counseling and free pregnancy tests and free ultrasounds and all kinds of things that most people aren't aware of. So uh, it's just, I feel very blessed to be a part of this. Now, Chris is right. We, um, in North Carolina, when, the, when Roe and Casey were reversed by the Supreme Court, which was an awesome thing, I and mean, we all need to give thanks for that, um, many states had trigger laws or laws in existence that won't be challenged any longer, and so they'll be able to restrict uh, terms when abortion is available or not at all. Uh, our state uh, stays the same, um, and you know we'll have to work on that in the long run. But for right now, we could be a destination state for many people in the surrounding states are going to travel to North Carolina. So that means. Uh, are you? Yeah, I think you guys are already connected with your care center, New Hope Family. They're going to need more resources. We're going to need more resources. All the area care centers who are really uh, loving on these ladies and families with resources, they're going to need all the support they can get, especially now. They always do, but it could get a lot busier. So uh, we encourage you to support them. And. Through Chris, just let us know. We will, if anybody's curious, would like to find out more. Would like to volunteer. Would like to learn how you you can match your skills to what's needed. Just reach out to us, and we'll be happy to talk with you. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. That's it. We'll see you next Sunday. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> see, that's that's what an executive director does. You can put him on the spot, and you know we shared a story. Actually, Bobby shared a story with me recently, and 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 I'm not going to go into that story and. I actually, um, at the strong arming of Bobby, I actually serve on their board, and um, he didn't have to twist too hard. I said, okay, I'll do it, but you're going to have to come and sing with us sometimes at Greenwood Hills, so blackmail is a good thing. And um, they also offer a lot of resources for after that. You know, people forget about forgiveness, and God died on that cross to forgive us for everything. And there's a lot of people, and he shared with me a, a young man who had carried the weight of what they had done some 20-some years earlier and didn't realize that he, the father, who was part of that decision, could be forgiven 
that Jesus had forgiven him as well. So they offer a lot of forgiving and a lot of healing, and, 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 and it's not just centered around the, the abortion clinic and trying to educate. They, they offer a lot more than that. So Bobby, thank you. Bobby and Holly both, thank you for being here, and sorry to put you on the spot, but you did awesome. So, uh, so last week, we spent some time uh, learning from the Apostle Paul, and those of you that were here, if you remember, we were reading out of uh, one of his letters to the Philippians. It's known as a prison letter. It's known as a letter of joy. And so we're going to kind of extend a little bit of what we were talking about there and connect it to this week because Paul wanted to make sure that we understood what it meant to be a dual citizen. He wanted to make sure that, that we knew that once we put our faith in Christ that that was more than just simply like, all right, you know, Christ, Christ is our leader. No, we, we actually become a citizen of heaven. And you may recall this scripture, and it was out of Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. Now, there's a whole lot in, in just those two little sentences there. And, and much of it is, I mean, you could almost do a whole sermon on that, and we did uh, quite a lot of it last week. But he's referring to the power of the Holy Spirit. He's referring to that when we put our faith in Jesus, that comes with a power, and that comes with a citizenship. And sometimes I think we try to kind of put that in a box but if we have a dual citizenship what does that really mean i mean we don't we talk i I shared about a friend of ours who has a son who's a canadian and an american we talked about dual citizenship and what it looks like in our world but do we really think of jesus as the king i mean if we have a dual citizenship then that means we're part of a kingdom and that's a little bit foreign to us here in america we don't think of things in in thought processes like having a king because we we elect all of our officials now king is sovereign and a lot of times that comes by birth and they have complete rule over their kingdom now the jewish people of that day they knew a little bit about that they knew what it was to have a king they had had their heyday at times with King David and, and different kings, and then they had some kings that uh, wasn't so good. They kind of rode this roller coaster, if you will. And they also knew a thing or two about having dual citizenship. You know, a lot of their life, a, a lot of their journey, they were under somebody else's rule. They still carried their faith, but they were under their rule, just like they were under that Roman rule. Now, I know that we're in July. We're going to have Christmas or Easter in July. And I think every day should be Easter because our, our Lord is risen. He is risen. I think we should start every day with that. He is risen. And, but that's what we're going to go back. So to set the stage a little bit, Jesus has been brought to Pilate by the the temple guard. He's been arrested, and his own people, Jesus was 
a Jew, his own people have arrested him. So he's being led to him, and all of his friends, all of his followers up to this point, they've left him. They're like, whew, we got to go hide. They're not playing. Some of you may recall the story. We know that Peter, Jesus predicted that he was going to uh, deny him three times. Jesus has denied him three times at this point. All of this is going on kind of simultaneously. And we're going to pick up our scripture reading this morning. And Jesus himself gives a little bit more of insight of his kingdom. So I'm reading this morning out of John chapter 18, starting at verse 28. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the, to the palace of the Roman governor. Now, that's, a, that's the high priest. That's a name. That's not a place. That's the high priest that they brought him from. By now, it was early morning. And to avoid ceremonial uncleanliness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. You know, it's amazing. That's so hypocritical. They wanted to stay clean. They, they didn't want any dirt on their hands because if they were unclean, they weren't allowed to participate in the Passover meal. They're bringing a completely innocent man and trying to have him killed. But they didn't want to dirty their hands. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, would we not have handed him over to you? They, they didn't even give a charge because there was no charge against him. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected, which is not exactly true. How many times in the scripture do we see that they pick up stones to stone someone because they had broken their Jewish law? And it was punishable by death. So again, it's a lot of hypocrisy going on in this passage. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Jesus asked. Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom, which we're part of, if we put our faith in Jesus, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. This is the word of God, and if you would allow me to pray, please. Most gracious and loving Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. 
Thank you for giving us your word to teach us and educate us and to guide us in the right paths of life. God, I pray that you give us the wisdom to learn from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the things that has really attracted me to the Westland Church, uh, I've got a good buddy of mine who's a uh, Westland pastor, and we would be having conversations, and he was like, man, that, that's good kingdom stuff right there. Man, that, that's good kingdom work right there. And he would say things like, hey, we got to go out and, and do the kingdom work. Well, that in a lot of other faiths, that's, that's kind of, it's almost like a foreign concept. You don't hear a lot about kingdom work. You don't hear a lot about that we are part of the kingdom of heaven a lot. So that, that mentality, that mindset of we are part of the kingdom right here on earth, here in America, which, hello, it's a blessing to be part of America, and we get an opportunity to do the kingdom work. Right on the website, the Westland Church, an unleashed kingdom force. That is what they're wanting to be. That is what we, a part of the Westland Church, are called to, called to do. We are called to be an unleashed kingdom force. The Westland Church is praying to become a kingdom force. So we are supposed to be active members in the kingdom. That's what Bobby just talked about when he said the hands and the feet of Christ. We are to be out here doing his work, and he gives us that power to do it in us and through us. And there's so many ironies in this passage, and I, I pointed out some of them. But if Jesus is king, and he is, that means that he's sovereign. That means that he is king of a kingdom. And, and that's why Pilate kind of has some hesitation. Like, whoa, wait a minute. I, I, I'm, I'm governor of this region. I have a lot of power in this region, but I don't want to just go around and killing Somebody else is king. That, that's how wars start. So, so that's where we see Pilate kind of backing off a little bit. You know, the crazy thing about the king, and, and you can sub the word in there, Messiah, the Pharisees that brought him to be killed, they've been teaching on and praying for and supposedly longing for their Messiah all of their years. They should have recognized him so much. And, and the poor Jewish people of that day, they got it going and coming. They were living under Roman rule. They were having to pay taxes. We know a few things about paying taxes. But they also went to church. We, we have, I don't think we have any concept of what it was like uh, of their hierarchy of their church system. And unfortunately, the church leaders of that day, the Pharisees, were lording it over the people. So they didn't want the Messiah to come right then. They didn't want Jesus to be the king of a new movement because it messed up everything that they had going. They were the top shelf people. There were like two rich groups in Rome, in Jerusalem at that time, and basically whoever was connected to the Roman government and the tax collectors... And the Jewish leaders. 
They had kind of got the system upside down. They weren't taking care of the poor of lot, a lot. Their, their religious system had become more like a business than it was a spiritual place to work, I mean, to worship. God said enough. He'd had enough of it. That's why God sent his son, Jesus, to fix the system. And by fixing the system, he came to abolish the old system, start a new covenant. And Jesus did it in such a way, it challenged everything they knew. It went against everything that they had been doing in life. And most of us know the rest of the story. Jesus was crucified. Now, for most kings that have been killed... They stay dead. But Jesus didn't stay dead. Jesus did rise from the dead. Had Jesus died and not rose, had there been another story in the pages of history that this king had been marched off and been taken captive and we stopped his movement and we killed him, then we wouldn't be here. It's one of the most recorded events in history, even in secular writing, as much as our biblical writing, that Jesus was seen risen from the dead. Everything hinges on that cross and Jesus rising from the dead. His closest followers would have stayed hidden. They wouldn't have come out. But Jesus wasn't alive. Jesus is the center of it all. He was alive then, and he's still alive today. Now, the fact that he rose from the dead, that, that probably is, is enough, and, and it is, but his ministry and the study of his ministry and us being part of his kingdom continues to turn everything upside down. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about Jesus in the coming weeks and, and what he did and how we act more like Jesus. But the reason the people love Jesus, the reason the people were following Jesus is because everything he did was about the people. It was about the people and for the people. The reason the Pharisees hated Jesus it's because everything he did was about the people and for the people. What irony in this whole setup. And you know, if, if, if you're a king, any monarchy, my, my wife, bless her heart, and she sucked me into it too. She got to wa watching this thing on Netflix about the history of King, Eli king Elizabeth. About, hey, does she identify? Never mind, I'm not even going to say that about identifying, now see, the society tried to creep into my sermon right there. That's awful. But she got to watch about the history of Queen Elizabeth. What, what amazing woman. If, if what they shared is true and what she went through, and I mean, she's been queen all the way back to World War II. Kind of amazing. But the monarchy, she's sovereign. She says it, they do it. Every kingdom ever. It's a top-down setup. The king decrees something, it happens. And, and you see it all throughout the scripture 
of talking about when a king does that. Everything in your daily life, in your daily life, if we lived in a kingdom, is about the king. How are we serving the king? What are we doing for the king? If you cross the, the king, king takes you out. History is full of tyrant kings. And, and even the good king has some of their most unpleasant moments. Because one thing you don't do, you, you never disrespect the king. You never disrespect the crown and our human setup of what a king and a kingdom looks like. And the king never lowers himself to the people. That's what most king and kingdoms look like. You know, there were certain things, and, and they highlighted that in that thing. Even um, Philip, her husband, he, he said, and we don't know if it's true, but they, they, did the, they didn't come out and dispute it. He said, please don't make me kneel before you. And she said, absolutely. It's the crown. You have to kneel. So you see that setup. Her own husband in that monarchy, and now you learn more about her. She was more about the monarchy than she was herself. But even her own, her own husband in a setting, you will kneel because everybody kneels before the crown. That's a little bit foreign to us. That's a little bit us red-blooded men and women of America. Man, I'm not going to kneel before anybody, by golly. Well, if we live in a kingdom, that's the way it is. So when Jesus comes on the page and he's talking about his kingdom, his entire ministry was about the people and for the, king, for the people. That's so foreign to how most kingdoms were set up. All of his parables were little insights into what the kingdom of heaven is like and what it's going to be like. We're not living in his kingdom right here. We are a dual citizen. That's why Paul said we were a dual citizen. We still got to navigate this world, and the evil one is still out there trying to trip us up at every opportunity. But Jesus said, all right, we're going to do something different. I'm going to say you first, then me. You know, people have a tendency, especially in today's society, you hear the words entitlement a lot. Entitlement. What's right in the center of entitlement? Me. It's all about me. What you going to do for me? Jesus is a king walking the earth and says, I want to do something for you. It's all about you. Now, while his disciples, they, they were confused and, and, and they were getting a little glimpse of what real freedom was going to look like one day. You, you know, I've, I've been blessed to go on a handful of camping trips with, with youth. And in each one of those settings, whether it was church or, or with the Boy Scouts, the cell phones stayed home. The cell phones didn't come with the kids and after about day two of camping, you start seeing a shift. You start seeing a difference. And you actually will get them to confess, man, it's been so freeing not to have to worry about what society is saying. 
Our young people are so targeted today. Now, I'm sorry, y'all young people, and I got some young people back there too, but it is. Everything is geared to derail you. Now, social media can be beautiful, and it is being used to help take the gospel to the ends of the earth like never before, but like everything else, everything good and bad, man, how, how do I look? How do I dress? Is my car good enough? Do I, do I have the best tractor? Okay, maybe I want a tractor. Anyway, it's all about society telling you that you're not good enough. If, you've got, if you're looking at something and it's from society and it's telling you and starts making you doubt yourself, it has nothing to do with God. Because God came on earth, and he met everybody right where they are at, and he says, you have value. He sat down with the poorest of poor. He sat down with the tax collectors. No king did that. And he says, every one of you have value. Last week I said Paul's letter, we, it could just be as easily, easy as us saying Paul's letter to Greenwood Hills Church. So when we read these writings, and we read what the king is talking about he says hey in my kingdom every one of you have value quit listening to those other people do they matter yeah they matter that's where we become the hands and the feet we tell them that they have value too that's what we are supposed to do after jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, so I'm backing up even further. He immediately went and spent 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by everything imaginable. He, and he says, every temptation we have ever faced, he has also faced. And he almost immediately, and this comes from Mark chapter 1, verse 15. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Not bad news. Not, hey, I'm here to rule things and you're going to bow down to me. No, I'm bringing good news. But it does come with a requirement. See, that's what's so cool about our king and worshiping God and our kingdom. He gave us a choice. He lets us make our own decision whether we want to be a follower or not. Then we repent. Jesus, I'm a sinner. Right off the bat, you understand what does it require to be in his kingdom? Just say, hey, I, I, I need you, Jesus. I read an article this week. It said, where the king is, there is the kingdom. So Luke chapter 17 speaks on this. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Another translation is within you. See, Jesus was a master communicator, and, and he taught a lot of parables, and a lot of times you could hear what he would say, and it would be lit literal and figurative. He's saying, hey, I am the kingdom of God. I'm the king and the kingdom wrapped up in one, and it can be within you. It's part of the beautiful mystery. 
I mean, how does the Holy Spirit walk around each and every one of us as part of us and with us? I, I don't know. I don't know that we'll ever know. I, I joke about wanting to have a DVD room in heaven one day. And Okay, part of the Red Sea. Can, can we play that? Can we see what that really looked like or, or whatever it is? I think the Holy Spirit is, is so amazing and, and so just beyond our even thought process. I don't ever know that we will know exactly how Jesus does that or how God does that. But thank God that he does he, Jesus, was the kingdom of God in their midst. He didn't want them to miss it. And he gives us a requirement. Repent and believe the good news. What power. What amazing, freeing power. To say, hey, I can put my faith in something, and he's going to meet me right where I'm at. And it really doesn't come with any other requirement. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Other than the love. Do what he did. Say, hey, you're important. You're important. You're important. You're important. Every single one of you are important. That's how we're supposed to interact with people. That's what Bobby does every time he's out there on that sidewalk when people pull in there. It, it, man. I made the comment one time, I said, you know, I believe that after that happens, after they've been in the clinic and, and they come out, that that child's in heaven instantly. I said, I, I feel so bad for those mothers because they walk out with the weight of the world on them. And I'm talking to three other women in a circle. This was my first time out there, and I was realizing this. This was years ago at this point. And a lady across from me, she said, that's why I'm out here. That was me 26 years ago, I believe she said. I don't want anybody else to be shamed by society and think that you have no choice and think that there's nobody out there that's going to help you and think that you don't have love and forgiveness. And I don't want people to know that God still forgives. That's the hands and the feet. That's reminding people of what it means to be in the kingdom. John 3, 3, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Well, that's part of the requirement. That's a whole other sermon for another day. You've got to put your faith in Jesus, and then we're born again of the Spirit. And if you don't know how to do that, or you've never done that, or you want to know more about that, come see us. It's a beautiful thing. I've been blessed twice in my life for somebody to say, I don't know, I, I don't know that I'm saved. And my question back is, do you want to be? Yeah. Well, then that's easy. God makes it easy. He doesn't come to us with a lot of requirements to be part of his kingdom. The Pharisees thought it was a cult. They thought they could kill him, thought that his cult following would die. Well, there's two reasons why it didn't. Number one, Jesus rose from the dead. And number two, because there's nothing else like it. There's nothing else like the kingdom that we get to be a part of. So I'm going to share a video here with you. It's a short video clip 
Renee and I saw this years ago. It's probably been well over 10 years ago now, and I, I bet you I've watched this video clip hundreds of times at this point. And, and it's just, it's from a Reverend S.M. Lockridge. He, he's since passed away. No doubt he's in heaven. And he just wants us to make sure that we know who his king is. And he's basically pulling little clips of scripture of who his king is. Go ahead, Scott. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him. My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a well-framed of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life 
just a little glimpse. After I'm here a few more weeks, I'm going to start preaching like that. That's my king, all right? So we ready? Because that is my king. And I hope you know him. The Apostle Paul in Galatians 5, 13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, again, let's pretend he says the Apostle Paul's letter to the Greenwood Church, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. We already live in America. That's why we're in here worshiping freely. But it's so much more freedom, so much out of this world freedom. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh rather than serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, we have a longing to serve something more than ourselves. I think that's put in us by our Creator. We have a longing for something else. That's always that's why you hear people talk about loneliness. That's why you hear people talk about, I, I just feel like something's missing. God invites us to be part of his kingdom and serve him, serve with him, and serve for him. And he gave us an example. You see, Jesus, Crystal, you'll come on up. Jesus said that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And right before at the Last Supper, they were like, what is he doing? He's taking his outer garment off. What? Man, we're, we're Jewish. You don't, you're not supposed to take that outer garment off. He takes his outer garment off. And he calls his disciples over. And one by one, Scripture says he put a towel around him. And one by one, he wanted all of them to know, you first. Our king, king of king and the Lord of lords. He wanted to give this last example the night before he went to that cross to die for us. He said, this is how I serve you. And this is what you're supposed to do. So a king, think about this is down on his feet in front of each one of his followers and said, you first, then me. And he washed their feet. Now, don't worry. Some of y'all already went there. Is he going to start making us wash feet? We ain't going to start washing feet. But our king washed the feet of his disciples. And the very towel that he had around them said he took their feet. Nice shoes, by the way. And washed their feet. A king. Can you imagine Queen Elizabeth doing this? No. He wanted us to have that final picture of how important we are. You first, then me. He loved us so much that he went to that cross and died for each and every one of us. Do you know him? If you don't, come talk to me. But I pray that you do. Thank you. Yes, Chris said we need we need the Lord, and we're going to sing about how we need him and invite him in. 
every hour. My grandmother, and I'm going to talk about Bobby and Holly here. My, my grandmother, when she passed away, I was blessed to do the eulogy. And 
man, she was in a primitive Baptist church. Nobody was supposed to be up there but the primitive Baptist preacher. So it was a big deal. Man, she was an angel that walked this earth. One of the finest people in this world. Well, the water went out at our house. We had all kinds of people from all different parts of the family staying at that house, and we had no water to everybody trying to get ready for a funeral. And I stood up, I said, you know what? The devil's in the details. Because when we're getting ready to celebrate a Christian woman and talk about how awesome she is, he doesn't want us to do that. Well, we had this little going on the other night, and Scott, man, he worked his tail off, got it fixed. They went through a whole set, no problems. They practiced everything this morning, no problem. But after we talk about our king and how awesome he is, devil's in the details. He don't like it when kingdom work is starting to happen. Our king bowed his knee to us. Took everything. So I don't know where this hits you. I don't know what you bring. And sometimes we say, check it at the door. No, bring it all in. Jesus has got it. Most gracious and loving Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for being our king, our Lord of Lord, and our king of kings. And giving us the example of how we are to live. And that's serving people with you in us and through us. For the kingdom of heaven. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hope you have a wonderful week. Bring somebody new next week. And Bobby and Holly, awesome. Thank you. Is it safe to say they're welcome back anytime? Yes. Yeah, okay. Good. Good. Yeah.